Hey, this is Kent Clothier, and I am your host of the Time Is Now podcast. If you're looking to improve your business, improve your life, like raw, uncut, and uncensored, you're in the right place. Let's do this. What's going on, brother? Oh, man. Life, as usual. Yeah. Enjoying going, it. Running and gunning, right? That's it. That's it. Listen, man, we've got, uh, I know we've got 55 minutes or so here together. I, I explained to you how special this community is to me. Um, this is like family. I thought it'd be really impactful uh, to one, kind of two-part here is kind of my agenda is I want to, I find it fascinating uh, your journey, mm-hmm. right? But then equally, you know, there's a lot of people in here that, that kind of deserve to understand about some of the, your passion now, which is getting on to the financial side, right? So well, let's start with the beginning. So, you know, I know, you know, kind of take us through it. How, how did you, how did you, walk us through the story. How did you get here, man? How would you get to this place? I mean, right. I mean, it's a big story, I know, man. Right, it is, it is. And, and, and I'll package it more in the, obviously, the sports part component. That's easy. To, that's what I call uh, Googleable. You can get all that information. But I think the part that, that, that really matters is, um, I think sometimes, and I know for me as a young kid, I was an entrepreneur. I just didn't know what the word meant. Right. Um, as, as a kid growing up poor in the projects, being at the grocery store, carrying groceries to bags, great carrying people's groceries to their cars before you could push the baskets to the, to the car. You have to, you have to pull your car up and take yeah. the, I'm, I'm telling my age, I'm sure I am. <laughs> you, you couldn't take the, the basket to the car. So we would stand outside and we'd carry people's groceries to their cars and I'd make money there. And, um, and then once I understood that, I realized what um, my cousin said, hey, you know what, being a vendor is what you wanna do. So how much you gotta be a vendor? Oh, okay, so as a vendor in the Superdome, I'm from New Orleans, as a vendor, you pay to, to come in, you, you had to be like 15, I wasn't 15, I lied, I used my brother's fake ID. <laughs> and you, you, you had to pay like 25 bucks to get the rack, and once you get the rack, you filled it with popcorn, and then you sold popcorn. That's how I got to watch football. Really? So I create a, a grocery carrying business. No, didn't know I was an entrepreneur. Then I'm a, I'm a vendor. You, you pay for your rack. You, get, you fill it up with popcorn. You got you to gotta return back the money. Any tips you make, it's yours. So I moved up from that to, 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 to sodas to beer. <laughs> and, and, and you climb the ladder. But all in all, it was really my way. It was the only way I can get into the Superdome to watch football. That was the only way I couldn't pay, for, couldn't afford a ticket. I'm broke. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm from the ghetto. Yeah. I'm, I'm a kid who, you know, parents worked hard, but you know, we, we were, we were on government assistance, and um, that's where when I, when I, when I started to think back of what being an entrepreneur is and how it started for me, it started with those two jobs. That, that early, those two jobs is, is what started me, and obviously from from there, sports kind of took over. And then when I got into sports, it was, it was boring to me in the offseason that that's all I got to do, and that's all they expected us to do was to just work out. See, in the early 90s, when the money started to become kind of good, they wanted us to only do football. And throughout the offseason, that's all you did. And um, I just, it, it wasn't for me. I literally went to chicken school, learned about Popeyes. That's why you guys saw that. Um, I, I, wanted, I was like, I grew up on Popeyes. It was so damn good. I'm like... <laughs> People are gonna buy it. I'm like, if I'm eating as much, I, no might, as well, I might as well own them. Yeah. So I, I learned about the business. I ended up acquiring like ten of them. 
Uh, now we're at about 33. Um, but it was, it was something that, that I enjoyed doing. Um, I also, uh, I worked at the NBC affiliate. Um, I learned all the behind the camera stuff before I even got a television job because I wanted to know what went into it. And lo and behold, got to do te- 13 years of television. Right. Um, and so, so you've always been like super inquisitive, looking yes. for the way to. The minute I, f- it's like I wanted, what it, what's behind that? I want to do that. Um, that's what I do. I, I, I literally take it on. I gather all the information behind it. And I'm like, man, um, that's pretty cool. How do I do it? Like you, he, he doesn't know. I've like, I've watched his videos. I study him. I'm like, how do I do that? So now I get to come in the boardroom and see how it's run so I can figure out how to do it. I love it, dude. I, um, so let me go back here. Cause I mean, there's so many, there's a lot. I, well, well, here, here's where I was going to go with it is that I know you clearly see this, but, but I see it all the time. Is that there's so many parallels to me that are obvious between what it takes to be the best, uh, as a professional athlete, you know, much, I mean, it's one thing to say that you were in the NFL, right? It's a whole nother thing to win a Super Bowl, And it's a whole nother thing then to be a hall of famer. I mean, you are the elite of the elite of the elite. And so getting to that level and what that takes, um, there's so many parallels in my mind to being to what it takes to be great in business as well. Right. And so um, talk to me about, you know, what what is it? Did you just always have this innate ability to push yourself further than was practical? Uh, I figured it out now. Um, and I used to struggle with this question. But there's two things that I'm always, and if I'm not that, then I'm not doing it. If I'm not committed, I'm not consistent, I'm not doing it. If I see that I can't be committed or consistent to it, I'm not doing it. Because those two things are, they're important for where you want to go and in, in whatever you do. If, if I can't commit to it, and I can't consistently give the time and energy in the making sure that I get out of it what I started, why I started it, then I'm just, I'm just not doing it. That's, that's, that's everything. Yeah. And a lot of times we start things that we don't have time for or we commit to things that we, we're really not committed to. And it starts, it starts to work on our character and how people look at us and how they see you. Dude, I'm so glad you said that. I can't even tell you how many times I've, I've had this discussion. I haven't framed it the way you framed it, but that is, I want you to talk about that for a second because as entrepreneurs, just because we could doesn't mean we should. And we get opportunity everywhere. So being like super committed and consistent Talk about, you know, the damage that does to your character if you're not that. It is. Your character, uh, it has a lot to do with your brand. And if you have a, a business that you're behind, then you're the brand of the business. And if your character isn't, isn't solid and you're not being of character, then it's going to affect how people see your business. You directly, if you are the business and you are what's behind the business, you directly start to affect. And you directly start to uh, become what people identify. And if you're not consistent and committed, then whatever you are is what they're going to say about your business. Mm-hmm. I don't care who else is working with you, for you. I don't care how, how great the people are that's propping you up. If they're propping you up, it's going to come out. It's going to show itself. And then, therefore, that's going to be the reason why the business fail all the time. Lack of commitment is, is in lack of consistency most businesses fail because of that. Yeah, I mean, the way I see it in, in entrepreneurship certainly is, um, the, the way I say it is, you know, when you chase money, money runs. When you, are, when you are in business, 
there's so many opportunities to chase little pockets of money that are nothing but distractions. And because you're not committed and you can't, you don't have the ability to be consistent. Chicken right? yachts can get you every time. And so guess what happens? Money runs. And it doesn't work out the way you thought it was going to work. And to, uh, most important thing to, that you just said to me is that I've really never put words to out here is the reputational damage, the character damage, the, what it does to an internal organization is no joke. Um, because you look like you're all over the place. You're creating yep. chaos, right? And, and, and think, think about the person who you affect. That person at this point in time might be a nobody. <laughs> but in three, four, five, ten years, um, these relationships, they come back around somehow, some way. They come back around. That's good. And that person has a, a depiction of you. And it's, it, you've, stained, you've stained their thoughts of you just because you weren't considered, you weren't consistent and you weren't committed. And it can affect you. Down the line, it can affect everybody that, that, you, that you're in business with. So expanding on that, it's so, I mean, look, man, to get to the freaking NFL in and of itself, I mean, it's a very- it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> but, so what makes the difference between, you know, those guys that have been in that locker room with you over the years, um, you know, why, why is everybody not a Hall of Famer? Is it really that, is it that much? Is it committed and, I mean, they had to have been committed and consistent at some level just to right. get the fucking room. Right. Right? Yeah, so there's, so there's a whole nother level. Yeah. So inside every room, there's another room. You know, like even, even, even in, like when you, when the Hall of Famers are together and we're sitting in this room, there's really a room that's smaller than that inside of that room that's called first ballot Hall of Famers. I mean, the first time you were up, all right? And then there's a room inside of that room, first ballot Hall of Famers that won the MVP. And there's a room inside of that room, first ballot Hall of Famers that won the MVP and won a Super Bowl. So the room keeps getting smaller. And when you, when you, when you think about it, um, it, it, it all comes down to how much more are you willing to do? Um, last night, anybody catch the game with LeBron James? 38 years old, oldest person in the, in the NBA. LeBron had the most energy on the court. The oldest, I'm, I'm watching him, Zion's 22, LeBron's 38. LeBron is playing with more energy than a 22-year-old. The more he can do. He, he's trying to figure out, how do I affect this team? Because here's what he knows. They're going to see the Pelicans again in the playoff. Mm-hmm. They're not going to forget this loss. That's right. Because it's for something. It's, this is more than just a regular win. Every player in that game that's on the bench, even if you don't play, they all get a half million dollars each. Yep. Just to, just to win the, this, the this yep. in-season playoff game. So he's out there. And that's the difference. The more you can do. Because we all can do. We all can. In, in, right. in that, you get to the NFL, everybody can do. Everybody, we, we show up at 8. We leave at about five. But I show up at six, do my own workout, work out again when everybody else show up at eight. We done at five, watch a little bit more tape, stay till about six, seven, take some tape home. The little things, just the, the little things, the little things that you do. Yeah. It, 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 it gives you that edge. Mentally for me, I, I knew like, listen, nobody's going to outwork me, and nobody's going to be smarter than me. Now, you might be a better athlete. You might be stronger. You might be faster. I can't, I can't deal with that. But the parts that I can deal with, I'm going to make sure I study more than you. I'm going to make sure I'm more prepared than you. I'm going to make sure that whatever goes on on this football field, 
nothing's going to surprise me. Now, if you surprise me once, only once. <laughs> All you get. You show me something once, and once I see it, that's a wrap. But I'm gonna be prepared. I love that, dude. So, my, you know, before you you go to, uh, you know, you're here in San Diego, you, you get drafted. Um, was it the same in college as it is in NFL? Meaning, hell no. Oh my God, no. So you you, you, you got to understand when you leave college and you go to the pros. Everybody on the pro team at some point in time, they were the best on a team. So you were either the best in college or you were the best in high school. You, you were the best, you were the best at your position. Right. Like guys, guys, unless, about it like that. unless you play quarterback at like USC, you don't get to the NFL not playing in college. Right. That's the only school like guys right. was a backup, backup in college and never really drafted. played. Yeah. And they get drafted. Uh, it just doesn't happen. So so there's a, you know, it's like you, when you're in a locker room, the guy that, that's backing me up, like he was the guy. <laughs> he, he, he won games for teams. Right. So you're, you're somebody. You're somebody. Right. <laughs> I've never thought of it like that. That's actually true. Um, so talk to me, when you get into the NFL and you still got this entrepreneurship kind of, I'm, at some level, it's still in you, even if you can't, you know, really explore it because of the NFL. Um, were there any lessons you learned in the NFL that you kind of taken now and applied them down the line, whether the NFL or the NFL network or the Pie Pies franchises, the things when you look back inside of your playing career, like, hey, man, that was, I've, I learned some really valuable lessons that I've been able to apply moving forward. Um, everything's around decision making. Um, make a decision, make the best decision, and then whatever the decision is, if the shit don't work, make the decision work. That's it. Like, it, it's all about, a lot of people get caught up in making decisions, and they're wasting time. Just make the decision, and if the decision don't work, make it work. The experience around the decision that you make, if it don't work, it's valuable. You learn something from that. Right. But most people get so scared of making decisions that they end up wasting time. And therefore, you don't learn nor, nor do you gain, nor do you move forward. Yeah, make the decision, run the play. It's not always going to work, but whatever it is, make the, make the next decision. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Make the decision, and then if the decision don't work, make it work. Like, you, you, got, you got to work that. There's, there's, there's a right in it. You just got to find the right. Right. Yeah, not everything. Yeah, I love that. Not everything's failure, right? No. It's, it's all, nothing's failure. Right, just lessons. The only thing is failing is not doing. Quit. That's fail. That's where quit it. That's where failure is. Quit. I love that, brother. I love that. So talk to me. Um, all right, so you retire. We get out of the NFL. Yep. And um, what's next? That's hard. So before we go to, just, just to tell you guys, just in case you run into any professional athletes that, that's like recently out of the game, it's hard. Um, I, and I don't care how prepared you are. Nobody's, nobody, nobody is prepared for you play a game, it's your last game, and then you don't play anymore. It's, it's hard. Like, it's, it's, Did you know, like, like, I mean, were you really kind of in that headspace that I know this is going to be my last game, or did you yes. make the decision after? Okay, got it. Yes. Like, that, my last season, it was, it, was the, it was the hardest season I've ever had. It was the most difficult because I knew I was, I knew I was ready to retire, and as, as I was advised, if you think you're ready to retire, play one more year. And that one more year will be so miserable. 
And you'll be sure. <laughs> oh my God. It was so miserable. I remember I remember the last game I played. Um well, first, let's just go back. So I'm, I'm going to play this season, and my coach talks me into it. He said, you got to play one more year if you think you're ready to retire. I'm like, all right, coach, cool. I'm going to do it. So I'm, I'm working out in the offseason, and I'm, not, I'm just not really into it. Like, I'm, I'm not – it's not fun. The, the stuff that's normally fun practice, it wasn't fun. So I'm like, damn, it's, it's, something's going on here. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to I'm, – I'm doing all the things. I'm working on all the stuff. And it, it's just not – I'm not feeling it. So Coach Dean says, hey, here's what we're going to do. Um, uh, we're going to start the young guy. I was like, thank God. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm like, I can't get in the huddle with these 10 other guys. Oh, my God. Feeling like this and, and, and not really be in it. So for the first time in my career, you know, 12 years, I start my 13th season. I'm coming off the bench. So I'm coming off the bench. The first two games, I play like I play three plays. I don't even get dirty. I'm like, that's great. I'm like, I'm getting paid to, to, do this, to do this. The next game, I touched the ball another four times, and I, I don't get tackled. Two games, I don't get tackled. I don't get touched. As the season goes on, I play a couple more plays. We get to the last game of the year, and the young guy decides he has a hamstring. He's not playing. Now, by this time, we had, we had another young guy who had moved up on the depth chart because I, I really didn't want to play first and second down. I only wanted to play third down. I say, coach, just third down. That's it. Cool. Said, no problem. <laughs> no, I'm like, I'm like I'm, I, I start my career dying for playing time, like fighting for life to make sure I'm the starter. And now my last year, I'm like, I really don't want to play. <laughs> this is the mindset. So, so um, the guy decides that he's not going to play the starter. His hamstring is hurt. And I'm looking at this young kid. He's a rookie, too. I'm like, there's no way I can let him go out there and start. He, if, if he starts this game, he probably he won't be in the NFL. So I go, to, I go to the head coach. I said, um, I say, you know, if you need me to, I'll start this game. And he was like, he looked at me. And he got it because we had the conversation. He, he made sure it was my last game. We played the Cowboys. We actually beat the Cowboys. I'm playing with a backup quarterback. Rubbing it in. Gave me the ball 30 times. No way. 30 times. I'm sitting in my locker after the game. I'm crying. I'm like, I'm hurting. <laughs> because I didn't, I didn't touch the ball. I'm, I'm hurting because, because I know this is my last game. Like, I know it's over. I know it's over. Yeah. Like, I'm like, this is it. Because you don't know how it's going to end. You have no idea. It could be injury. It could be, but I got, to, I got to decide that it was it. And it was, it, was, it was like, it really didn't hit me until, you know, I had already taken a job to, to, to work on television and training camp came around and everybody went to camp. And then the season starts in preseason and we're at the Hall of Fame game and I'm working this game. I'm like, this feels funny. It, it was the first time, I mean, I started playing football when I was five. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm 34 now. Right. This is the first time football season kick off and I'm not playing. And now mentally, mentally, I'm in a jacked up space. Like I'm, I don't know this outside world. Right. I, I, I don't know people outside of this little bubble that's called the NFL. And you got to find yourself. Yeah. You really got, you really got to find yourself. You got you got a because it's wrapped up in everything, man. It's it part of your self identity. Your identity it's, is right, man. Listen, I got sixty thousand people. I I can make them cheer or I can make them boo. 
<laughs> like the, I'm, I'm going to make some people happy. I'm going to piss some people the hell off. Yeah. That, that's, my, that's my normal week. And I'm preparing for that, for that Sunday, that Monday, or that Saturday, or that Thursday. I'm preparing for that all week. And that's my life. And, and, I, and, and you live off of that. And then all of a sudden, lights go off, curtain close, and you don't get it anymore. Yeah, that's pretty abrupt, man. It, it's, it's like, boom. It's, yeah. Like literally, next yeah, like, day, new right. life. Right, it's it's not like golf. They don't have the senior PGA tour. They don't have the senior league football. A, you can't just go play a little pickup game at the wreck of basketball. You can't do that in football. Right. It's, there's nothing for it. You know, you can't go from tennis to pickleball. It's like it's just not happening. So how did you make that transition? I know you went I mean, I know you went into broadcasting, but I also know you had these, you know, other things that you ultimately got interested in and, and did, but you know, I know it was hard, but how did you how did you safely navigate that? Um Getting into the, the people that, that was helping me um, build uh, what I was building in the different businesses, being patient with me. Um, there's nothing like when you play sports and you're, you're, you're building these things, but you're relying on other people to do it. You have COOs and CFOs and, and CEOs that's running different things. And you sit down and, and, and you're in these meetings now and you're coming up with ideas and they're like, we tried that. <laughs> you're like, oh, oh, so they're discounting you. Like, yeah, we, we, you're just a pretty face. Right, you're just I'm, a talent. Right. Oh, wow. So I'm like, damn. And so we, I started to have meetings with them on the things that I needed to be taught about what I, what I had. And not just sitting back. Um, I needed to learn the things. You know, I, I had to, I literally had to, had to go get my hands dirty and, and learn and the work that they put in. Um, a lot of people do stuff behind the scenes and they build stuff and you get the accolades for it. And, um, but I, 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 would, I, would guess, I would guess that hands-off approach, I mean, we've all heard the cliche, and it's a cliche because it's just true, of whether it's professional athletes that make all this money and then they get out and within a few years, it's, a lot of it has been pissed away. Yep. Um, um, and based on what you're saying, I, I would assume that because these guys or girls uh, naturally don't take the, the interest that you've took into it, that's how money disappears. Exactly. So understanding that and having the awareness and, and listening to people talk, I realized that in having those conversations, those conversations did nothing for me because I wasn't financially literate. I did not understand financial verticals in the different industries that I was working in. So I had to go back and do some schooling. And nobody gives that to you. Nobody. That's wild. Um, I, I literally, and that's, that's how I got to where I am now um, in the financial service industry. Uh, the lady who I sat down with who said, I'm going to show you exactly what you have, where you have it, how it's growing and what's going on. And the only thing I ask of you is, if you have other people I can help, introduce them to me. That was, that, that was literally how it started. And so we sat down and we went through my portfolio, my numbers, the same thing you were talking about. Yeah. All of my stuff, here's what it is. And um, through, that, through that, she looked at me and said, you know, you never have to work another day in your life. You're financially independent. I was like, damn, that's pretty good. <laughs> I like the way that that's sounds. The good thing to, that's the good thing to hear. Yeah. When somebody says that to you, I'm like, that's pretty damn good. Like, oh, all right, cool. All right, now, how do I build it? What do I do? 
and and we got into all the things that we can do and and then I um I realized how many how many guys that uh played in the league or played a sport or um you you make money because of your talent not because of your actual work in the industry but because of your talent yeah that uh that lacked that financial intelligence in order to to um to understand, you don't you don't have to know what the money, but just understand what your money is doing. Most people don't. Most wealthy people have no idea how their money is working for them. Right. No idea. Right. And just like everything else, like I wanted to know it. I wanted to know all the things. Right. And went all the way back to the super. What's the, the way? Questions. What's the way? I, how do I make this work for me? Yep. I want to know all the questions. And in, in doing that, um, I realized that there's a lot of people out there like me. There's a lot of people out there that was like me who was financially illiterate or didn't have the quite quite the competence of of where their bank, where their their earnings are to where they should be. You sit in a room, people tell you about the bottom line, you read the bottom line, and you don't read what's in between the lines. Happens to us a lot of people. Oh, dude, I would argue it happens to most. Yeah. And 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 you're comfortable with it because you don't want to be responsible until until it's all gone. Yeah. Ignorance is bliss. Yeah, you, you don't want to know. But um, that wasn't comfortable for me. I didn't like the space. It was uneasy. I had taken too many licks, got hit hard too many times to allow somebody to just piss away my money. Yeah. So I wanted to know. And in doing that, um, it's part of kind of what I do now. I, like, hey, I literally, I sit down with people. I just want you to be in the know. How much are you going to charge me? Nothing. And it's like, they become disinterested. If you ever want somebody to disrespect what you do, give it to them for free. Yeah, they'll disrespect your shit all the time. <laughs> exactly. Give it to them for free. Tell, hey, I'll do this for. But offer, offer them like, oh, it's it's ten thousand. I want in twenty thousand. I want in. They hear for free and they think it's like no doubt. Exactly. You're exactly right. But um, it's just the way I operate. You know, I I I refuse. I I think these are things that people should have and they should understand. Well, if it's directly into your, you know, your journey. That's that's, that's what I'm trying to do. I mean, it's, um, I mean, when you think about how many, again, I'm just going to go back to it. Um, it's a cliche for a reason, but how needed this is uh, not, I mean, it's needed everywhere, but for sure it's needed in professional sports. Yeah. I mean, where, where um, you know, it's the same reason why this, this entire room exists is because even the best and brightest minds in the industry, whatever industry, they still need to sharpen their skills. They need to still need to understand how to become better from a financial perspective or whatever it is. And so you um, taking this and, and, and running down this path like you have with it, dude, I mean, I love it because like you said, it's part of your journey. Like you see the obvious need. It is. And, and l- listen, there's, there's a lot of people. Um, Mike Tyson somehow pissed away 400 million before he started smoking weed on a ranch. Um, Evander, 200 million. Um, Iverson went through 300 million. Um, Like, it it happens. Cheryl Swoops, uh, 50 million. Um, John Daly pissed away like 120 million. It it, it happens. And and, and they'll all tell you it's consistent with the fact that they they lack financial intelligence. Just the ability to understand when people are talking about your money, what the hell they're talking about. It's your money to understand. It's, you got to do more is than it, line. Is reading. it pride? Is it that the individual does it? Let me, let me tell you what, what my experience has been. Because I, I can tell you from my, from my, 
So I don't know if I ever told you this. You know, I, one of my closest friends uh, is Tim Couch, right? Um, 1999, number one draft. I know, good dude. Yeah. yeah. Bad player, good dude. Bad player, good dude. <laughs> but he made a fuck ton of money. Yes, he did. And he's as dumb as a box of rocks. Right? But I found myself, you know, when you hear, you know, a $50 million contract in this, whatever it was, with Pepsi and Nike and other, you know, $80 million, you immediately project, this is what I did, this was my experience, I immediately project a level of success, <laughs> effectively giving this guy the benefit of the doubt, like I was talking to anybody that actually, in here, like that actually has financial sense, right? Like, like you and I are talking. And, and it, then when you actually get in the conversation, like, oh, dude, you, you don't know shit. Like, you were just born with a gift. And, I mean, it was shocking. It was really, it was really wild for me to, because in my mind, up until that point in my life, everybody that had made money, they had made money because building businesses. And right. all of a sudden now my immediate default was, well, this guy's made money. He must know things about business. He didn't know shit. Right. And I mean, luckily he had his brother was a, uh, you know, in the financial services and kind of protected his ass. But is it just that that pride of not asking for help or is it just, you know, a, a little bit of everything? Because um, they because they're at the top of the, the food chain everywhere else. But in this area, it's like having to admit that I have a deficiency. Yeah. So most successful people have a problem telling you what they don't know. And if you don't tell people you don't know, then how the hell are they going to teach you? Right. The assumption is that you know. Um, you know, one of, one, of my, one, of, one of the things that, that I stand on in life is that I am going to, you are not, I'm the worst person to have a conversation around and you're trying to talk about something. If I don't know it, I'll stop you and be like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't understand. Like, I get in the way of the joke or whatever because I don't understand. If I don't understand... I don't like hearing if we're talking, I don't, I'm going to stop you because it, it, it bothers me. It, it, it irritates me because that, that's just a feeling. I, it's so funny. Um, think, about what, think about what you said about Tim Couch and he, that he had a brother. So I got drafted. They gave me $6 million and I had nobody in my family. Right. Who do I trust? And excuse me, but most of the people that I'm sitting down with, so I got to trust some white guy that I don't know yeah. to handle my money. Yeah. I, I what, 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 <laughs> You're exactly right. I mean, my, graduated from college, business marketing, minor neural communication. I get $6 million. I don't know that my $6 million isn't sitting somewhere. I'm like, can I cash this check? Like, no doubt. Right. But I, I, I totally see it. Totally see <laughs> where, it. Where do you go? And who do you trust? And who do you trust? And then much, much, much less, you know, now how do you actually go and take that and turn it into enough money to be living on for the rest of your life and all these other things? It isn't just a matter of holding on to it. It's actually deploying it, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and really understanding it. Early in my career, I got lucky. What do you mean? Tell me. I, I, had, some, I had some trustworthy people. Um, that I didn't trust working for me. You had trustworthy people. Okay, that you I just didn't trust them. <laughs> <laughs> they proved. They proved over years. I get it. I know what you're saying now. Yeah. But in the I end, didn't trust them. In the end, you learned yeah. to trust them. Okay. And yeah. they and they helped you. Yeah, I got uh, Emmett Smith gave me like some of the best advice. That listen, it's, it, 
whoever you're going to pick, you're going to pick. But um, pay extra money and hire two people and have them watch each other. Ooh, that's good advice. So I ended up splitting up the money, giving it to two different people. So when I got this, when I got this statement, I took it to this person. And they're always going to – listen, people in the financial service industry, the people who manage money, they are dirty with each other. You want to talk about – they're dirty. They will, they will tell on the other – oh, my God, this is crap. This is – like, they are the worst. Savages. They are the worst, man. Oh you want to talk about some crabs in the barrel. They will pull each other down just to get – they want them assets under management. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> they, don't, they do not care. It's about managing the assets, and that's it. They don't care about anything else. You, you bring them anything else, they're going to be like, no, no, no. And having not their shit, it's always other, the worst shit, right? Having them watch each other, best thing I did. Cost me a little more, but... That's actually really solid advice. Yeah. Really solid advice. So what's the advice you, you, you are giving to, you know, uh, new players that are coming out or the people, or, uh, you know, if you were sitting down talking to your, yourself, was that the same advice you would give as well? If you're going to work hard for the money, you, you might as well work hard to learn about the money. Like just that's it. It, it, Basic education. Understand, understand when people are saying, hey, we got you invested in this. Understand what 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 does that mean? What's at risk? You know, what what's my what's 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 what what, what's the return? What's the rate of return? What's my exposure? Like all of that. You need to know. And I and I always my thing is this here. Okay, if this shit goes to hell in a handbasket, like what? What am I losing? Yeah. And, I, and, and now I need to decide, can I lose that? Yeah. Am I okay with it? Can I stomach that? Am I going to want to kill you? Like, like I need to. <laughs> exactly. You know, like, That's my tolerance. Like, do I need to put some pads on you and, <laughs> and, and show you how I worked for that? Like, <laughs> you it, need didn't to, come, it didn't need come. to beat your ass or not. Exactly. So those, those are the things, you know. It's um, just basic things, man. All of, this, all of this stuff is just like everything else. If, if, if you want to, all the things that you tell people to go out and do, um, to an extent, you have to you have to get some education around it no to be able to have the conversation. It, it, it's it's hard to have these conversations about with people that just say, "Oh no, just do it for me, just do it." No, I'm not just doing it for you. Right. I, I want you to be educated. You know, and, and not not just for you. I want you to be educated so we can have a conversation, so you understand the inner workings of how your money is working for you or not. And then you're a good referral partner if I educate you. I, I love that because it, to your point, I mean, it, it would be, it'd be easy just to, you know, take the money, provide the service, but because of your story, because of what your, you know, your upbringing, your journey, uh, it's just as important, if not, that, that they understand what the hell's going to. on. It's just part of the conversation. Like you have a conversation with somebody and they walk away and they say, oh yeah, I'm, I'm doing some work with Marshall. What are you doing? I don't know. Yeah. What's he teaching? I don't know. Well, yeah, so I gave him this money, and Mars, well, what is he doing for you? I want, I want you to know. I need you to know. Well, In order for us to work together, you've got to know. So let's talk about that. Tell, me, tell, tell everybody here what it is that you and the, and the organization do now. Like, what yeah. are the services you provide? How, how, talk to me about it. Yeah, so we, we do um, literally work, we work in a very, very safe environment when it comes to um, having conversations and teaching people about investing in the, in the different spaces. Um, I like to call it uh, portfolio completion. Um, you're going to have your asset managers, you're going to have your CPAs, and you're going to have all those people, but they're never going to tell you about 
um, what's called all the index funds. They may mention them. They may tell you, hey, oh, yeah, I can make you more than that. But they're never going to talk about downside protection and making sure that whatever legacy that you build, that legacy stays intact. Uh, those are the things that um, I know that most people that make money, they're not having those conversations. And if you are having those high-level conversations, somebody really cares about you. Because these are the things that they're not, you don't constantly make money off them. It, you don't get rich by doing this. But what you do is you set, you set up the very fabric of while you are, why you are working. You're working to build a legacy. You're working because somebody, that could be you, somebody in your family, somebody that you care about, you want to make sure that they don't have to work as hard as you did to get the resources and the things that you have. So how do you protect that? What do you do? You know, how, how, do you, how do you do some unconventional stuff? Um, and when I say index funds, uh, how, do, how do you participate in things that, um, that are protected? Uh, people don't want to have those, those conversations because to, in today's economy, it's all about exposure. You know, uh, oh, I, you know, I have this much exposed. Like, I, I don't want anything exposed. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want no exposure. If I could get away with having no exposure, which is, it's hard, but... You're going to have exposure in your portfolio, but can I, can I offset the exposure with some guarantees? Yeah, I mean, there, there are investment vehicles that are absolutely designed to do that's that. That's it. And, and we want to, and most of the time, the person managing your money and handling all that, they're not having, they don't want to talk about those products because they don't, that's not their, that's not their gig. People that manage money, they want to manage assets. They want your assets under management. That's why they make money. And I don't have anything against them. Um, I just, I want my clients to, have the conversation, and if you're okay with it, then fine. But nowhere else in the world, if you give somebody a job and you don't make money at that job, do they get paid if you're not getting paid? But managing money is one of those things that they get paid to manage the amount of money you have, and if they lose your money, they still get paid, not you. It's just, it, it, it's, it's wacky. It, it just, it doesn't make sense, but it's okay. Um, also, in, in the asset managing world, and if you manage assets in here, I'm, you know, nothing against you, uh, you get paid for the meeting, you get paid to create a plan, and you get, you get paid when the plan is executed. If you could show me another business that you can get paid three times off one client, I want in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just how it is, and that's, that's, the, that's the status quo with the business, and we're just changing that. Like, we want to have conversations with you, and we want you to understand, like, have, your, have the guy managing your money. Just know that if he tells you, if he's telling you it's this percentage to manage your money, that's the, you can negotiate that. All, all of that's negotiated. You, right. you can have a conversation with him about that. And somebody in his office will take you for less. Right. <laughs> that's how they operate. Right. They're cutthroat. What is, um, who's, like, who's your ideal client, customer? Like, who do, who do you guys, like, if, who do you like to work with? Like, who's going to get the most value working with you and your organization? Um, like I said, uh, some, someone that's uh, obviously you, you understand what building a legacy is. Um, whether you're married, doesn't really matter, but own a home, own multiple homes. Um, you have assets. You have assets to where if you leave it to someone, if you're going to pay a lot of taxes and you, you're allowing it to go to the government, we show you how to make sure you don't fund Uncle Sam's pockets instead of yours legacy compared to uh, your families that we want to show you those those little um, nuances and in, in the tax codes that are provided to allow wealthy people to 
to make money, uh, showing people that if you work for a company and you're getting, they're, they're paying you executive bonuses, show you how to use index funds to where you don't have to pay as much taxes, where they can now offer you um, uh, different products instead of just giving you the money. So in those products, uh, I think it's- money that, you're, that you have, it, it's, it's hidden in the, in, the, in the tax liabilities aren't there. It's just, there's just so much, there's so much out there that asset managers don't talk about. Well, you know, it's funny, as you're sitting here talking, I think it's, it's kind of occurring to me. You know, I asked you the question at the beginning, um, you know, how do you get into that smallest of rooms, right? How do you, how do you get to the next level? Um, and, you know, you talked about commitment and consistency. And then as you're sitting here talking, and I'm hearing you talk about this business, I'm like, oh, this motherfucker knows this. Like, he's gone way down the rabbit hole here. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, like, I just and then it's like, oh, this makes perfect sense. It fits directly into what he's doing. Like, he gets kind of um, knocked around a little bit and like, hey, I don't really understand. I wish I knew more about finances. And so he has gone all the way down the rabbit hole, not only gone down the rabbit hole, started the business, understands it, helping people with it. And I think that's, and now it's, it's funny how it's all come full circle. I'm like, oh, this isn't just some dude, you know, he's not just sitting here kind of, because we've never really had this conversation. We sit around just bullshit, right? Um, like, you're not just a pretty face sitting out there out front, man. And everybody get to hang his banner out there. It's Marshall Falk, right? You know, it's like, oh shit, no, this dude actually knows this shit. You got to study people, man. And you got to study the industry. And I mean, there's just different things out there. Um, it's, it's, it's so funny. I was, uh, um, you know, I, 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 I'm not into politics. I could care less. But like, I've, I've read a lot about Donald Trump and his business dealings, and and the guy is a savant in, in just the way that he thinks. Um, he, he did he did something that I was just like, wow, I would have never thought of that. And when you when you start to understand, and you have people that understand tax codes and all of this thing. Donald Trump had a golf course, and he buried his ex-wife at his golf course. Yeah. And that literally took all the taxes <laughs> from the golf course away. Like it, it, it's now, it, it now, now they can't charge him taxes. I know on the golf course, on the property taxes. His wife, on, uh, unbelievable. Uh. Like who, who thinks of stuff like that? Some sick motherfucker. That is for sure. Right. You know, I got a great place. I'm gonna go bury my ex-wife someplace just to save money on taxes. Yeah, well, <laughs> like, I'm only gonna get one shot at this. I hate I'm doing it too. He's like, Oh, 15, yeah. It's, it's, but it's just unbelievable. That, but, but, but you know what's those crazy? Those are the things that you, those are the resources. You got to have, you got you to have those types of conversations. Yeah. In, in order to take, to take advantage of those types of things. I mean, look, the reality of it is, is there is all kinds of creative shit, whether it's in the tax code, whether it's an investment strategy, whether it's in insurance products, whether it's in real estate, there is the wealthy and the rich, and we've had this conversation here before, you know, the tax code is written by the wealthy. And it is, it is designed for the wealthy to hold on to their wealth. But it applies to all of us. Yeah. And if you understand, and you're having those right conversations, like what you're talking about with guys like yourself, and, and it's like, here's the way the wealthy do things. Whether it's on taxes, whether it's on asset protection, whether it's on risk mitigation, whether it's on insurance products, whether, you know, there's so many things out there, but if you don't give yourself the opportunity to have the conversation, then you get to walk around and be ignorant. You get to one, you know, yeah. good isn't good when great is expected. 
And there's so much opportunity sitting out there. I mean, if you just think about it, the, the, the single biggest wealth extraction event you will ever have in your life is fucking taxes. And a lot of people in here understand this you know, better than most. Certainly from a real estate perspective, they've, they've figured this out, but the, the single greatest strategy for tax mitigation and reduction is having the right people. Yes. Right? Because I'm not a tax expert, but you know what? I've got some that work for me, right? And we're doing stuff together, you know, on, on asset protection and that kind of stuff. Like, um, I definitely am smart enough to surround myself with the right people. And that's, that's it. The wealthy people, like I just, they don't pay a lot of taxes. They just, they just, they, they find a way to circumvent tax codes. Um, they understand the things that are written for them. Um, and, and they don't, they don't believe in renting anything. Right, like they just—they just don't want to rent. Yep. Um, in the, just just in the like the insurance space, I, I I laugh. It's laughable to me. People rent insurance, like they conceptually, or when you rent a home, like that, that makes no sense to me. Mm -hmm. Like why why are you paying someone else's bills? Mm -hmm. It's like it's 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 nonsense, mm -hmm. and it's like basic. It's, it's the basic starter where people make mistakes yeah. in business. No, I totally get it, man. Well, I'm going to switch gears on you for a second, and then uh, I'm going to give everybody the opportunity here to, to connect with you. Um, Are you asking questions then? Yeah, no, no. You guys, anybody got any questions? Yeah, Who wants to ask some questions? Come on, let's see the hands. Good. All right, we got one right here. Oh, shit. Where are the, where are the mics, guys? Oh, right here. Throw that around. Who's got a question? Yeah. Coming and talking to us, Marshall, man. All good. So are you, are you um, I'm just hearing, hearing some of the words, um, very loose knowledge of different, I guess, insurance products, but do you guys and your firm, are, are you guys specializing in like annuity style products or maybe you can speak on, on that? So I don't, I don't want to say we specialize in anything because um, I I, I'm not an expert at anything, not even football. Like I'm watching, I'm still learning about football. Uh, but what we do is we sit down and we have conversations um, with people about the things that they want to know about. Or, hey, what's going on in today's economy? What's good? What's bad? We have those conversations. Um, don't own any product. Don't really sell anything. Um, I sit down and I, I educate people about, hey, these are the things. And if they then say, hey, I got a guy that will help me with that, cool. Or, hey, can you help with, I have some people that you could work with. They'll, they'll sit you down. And I, I'm the cliff note reader. Like, I'm like, here's what it says. Here's what this is. That's what I'm doing. Making sure you understand and you're getting a proper education. Because people in the financial service industry, just like in the law industry, they talk in that bullshit language to confuse you. Right. <laughs> Instead of just giving you the goods, they want to sound smarter than you. But they don't, it, it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah, no, that's a good, I love that. Love that. Who else got a question here? All right, go ahead. What's up, Marshall? Uh, my name is Omir, big Colts fan. Thanks for being here. Right on. Um, in 1999, when you got traded out of Indianapolis, did it like completely shock you? Because uh, you were having great seasons back to back. They drafted Peyton. I know this is not like a business-related question. Oh, it doesn't have to be business. I like this. Colts, Colts, Let's get down uh, on some shit right here. You, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you were balling, and then they traded you. Were you like... Were you shocked or how did it feel? I mean, obviously it worked out later on, right? Um, well, 
nothing happens by accident. I, I asked to be traded. Um, okay, so that's a no. We're yeah, not a yeah, So, <laughs> oh, I, I want you to think about this, okay? Um, I literally asked to be traded. Um, I, that last year, my, my last year there, um, we were we were like thirteen, like three and thirteen. We were awful. Uh, Peyton led the league in interceptions. He had twenty six. I made ten solo tackles. <laughs> so I was, I think I was second on the team in tackles that year. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and, and so I, I needed a, I knew, I knew I needed a change of scenery. Um, and, and, and listen, I was, I was right. It was the hardest decision that I ever made. Now, arguably Peyton was one of the greatest quarterbacks ever. I'm, I'm the only player who decides that he doesn't want to play with him anymore. Um, but that next year, I go to I go to uh, I, I didn't ask to go to St. Louis. What what I asked for was I asked for grass. I, I said grass and a winning team in good weather. They sent my ass to St. Louis. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the Rams had lost more than the Colts. <laughs> they played on turf, and the weather is shitty. So <laughs> so they gave me nothing. They met none of my demands. Um, and we end up winning a Super Bowl the next year. Um, the year that I retired was the year that the Colts won the Super Bowl. So I would have, I would have missed it. I would have missed it all. Yeah. So um, I made a decision, literally. I, I decided, I was like, um, I, was, I was grateful. I was grateful that he took a chance on me. You got to understand, you know, they, they, I, I think they paid me like $20 million. You know, I was there for five years. Um, I, I mean, I'm some young punk kid, you know. You just, you, you, you turn your franchise over and, you know, I just wanted to play football. I love the ball. So I was, I was thankful. I was, I, I'm still grateful to the Ursay family for giving me an opportunity to live out a childhood dream, which play professional football. That's awesome, Dave. How was it when you, uh, over there, Kurt Warner, you know, we've all seen the movie. We've all know the story. I mean, was Look, it, man, was it, it wasn't was good. It, was it? Listen, it, it wasn't good. So, so just think, I asked to be traded from Peyton. I go to the Rams where, you know, like they were, they were, they were called the Lambs at the time. Um, right. You know, it was just like, uh, and 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 we we also traded and got Trent Green. So Trent Green was the starting quarterback. We we had a pretty good offense. We were going through preseason good, and then like the third game of the preseason, Trent Green goes down with a knee injury, out for the year. And now this dude who's bagging groceries, who played in the arena league, work at the damn high V, who Mike Martz just like mother. Every time he, 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 like, I literally called him can't get right. Like, he, he couldn't do nothing right. Really? And I'm, and I'm sitting in my locker, I'm like, this dude's our quarterback now. <laughs> I asked to be traded from, from, with Peyton Manning. Are you, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, man, you want to talk about preparation, meeting opportunity. Um, that dude came in, and he was so ready for his moment. Uh, so ready for the moment. Kurt Warner was so ready for the moment. You just, you, when they say you never know, you never know. Um, we, uh, we were in, Trent went down after the game, first day of practice, getting ready for the, because normally we don't play the fourth game, but coach is like, look, I need you guys to play in the fourth game of preseason. We're going to like, we're going to do a dress rehearsal. We got, we got to see if this guy can play. Right. So in practice, we're in practice, and he, you know, he shows up at practice. They call the ones. He forgot to come in because he, he, had, yeah, he hadn't been a starter. Yeah. He hadn't been a starter. So they had, hey, Kurt, it's, oh, okay, okay. So he come in. Um, 
I mean, completed just about every pass. And I'm like, that's bad. That's a bad sign. I'm like, that's a bad sign. So we get ready to play the Detroit Lions in preseason on a Thursday. We only had two days of practice. That happened on a Saturday. We had Sunday off. And then we practice Monday, Tuesday. We travel Wednesday. We play Thursday. So we're playing on the Thursday against Detroit. And um, he went like 25 or 27. He completed 25 balls. No way. I'm talking dimes. <laughs> I'm like, this is hell is this too? Like, like we, we might be okay. And that was like, that was it. It was just like, it, it, was, it was as if that's how it was rehearsed and it was supposed to be. Uh, the chemistry, um, his humility, uh, the person that he is, like, he, he, he wasn't too big. He literally, we'd sit in the huddle, he'd look at me and be like, who do you see? <laughs> who do you see? I'm like, oh, that's, that's cover four. Corner will be bailing in a minute. It looked like two. He's like, all right, cool. <laughs> no way. It's literally how we play games. In the, in the beginning of the season, you know, and then you know, he Kurt became Kurt, you know, two-time league MVP, Super Bowl champion, Hall of Fame football player, a guy who literally was bagging groceries at the damn high V. Dude, that would have been, that had to have been such an unbelievably cool. I mean, like you said, I mean, none of that would have happened if you hadn't asked to be traded, and then to be on the front row and be, you know, right in there, being a part of all that yeah. is really fucking cool. Yeah, that is really cool. Man, I love that. So, dude, I want to, um, first off, one more. Yeah, this is the last question. All right, so um, and you, you talk a lot about seeing how people tick around you. I can, I can tell that you're very astute when it comes to that and, and watching you and how you tick. Um, I played a little bit of football growing up. My son plays at a high-level high school um, uh, football, and they like a college program. But one thing about football is it's a grind. It's every day, every year, the discipline, the consistency. Can you talk a little bit about that and how that shaped you um, and, and how that differentiates you from everybody else in the real world? Yeah, so my, my ability to be, to, to be consistent and committed, it, it requires discipline. And um, you know, as, as other sports may be what they are, uh, football, football does a lot, created a lot of that discipline that commitment. Um, I, I told my, my two boys uh, as they started to play, and pay attention to this, you know, I, I told them, I said, listen, football is not a rich kid sport. You know, there's, there's when, when you when you banging out there, when you banging out there, the thoughts are, this shit hurts. Like, <laughs> it's fun, but it hurts. The rich kids, they play soccer, they play tennis, they play baseball, <laughs> they play basketball, because they call fouls when you get touched. Jesus Christ. <laughs> they don't play football, and if they do, they a kicker, a punter, or a quarterback. <laughs> Just telling you. That's fucking great, bro. It, re it requires discipline. It requires discipline and, and a little bit of, you know, you've got to be a little, little, little off because the idea is they hand you the ball, um, you know, that 200-pound guy getting hit by 300, 350-pound guy, or a 250-pound guy who's running at me trying to take my head off, getting hit. And they hit you, and they hit you hard, and they tackle you to the ground, and you get up and you ask the coach, give it to me again. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the only time that that's good is in life. Yeah. You to keep getting up after you get yeah. hit. And, and, and the discipline that's, that's necessary, um, it's, uh, 
Bro, that's why it's, you're it's, that's why you're a champion. It's unbelievable. I mean, that's what it takes. I mean, like uh, to be who you who you are. I mean, that championship mentality and getting to the level you've got. I mean, God. I mean, you can't. You can't just teach that. Like you gotta be, you gotta do be that guy. Yeah, you, you gotta earn it. Right. Like you, you gotta earn it. Yeah. And um, as a parent, I know you played a little football. Just don't get in the way. Sometimes as parents, we get in the way. We we think we know what our kids need when it comes to coaching, um, especially in football. Like that. You know, my <laughs> my mom had one rule. I said, I was like, I said, mom never come on the field. She said, look. You gotta promise me that you never lay on that field and, and, and have them carry you off. That was the rule. That was it. Wow. So she never never approached the coach, never came on the field, never did anything. Did you ever get carried off? Never. Well, that's saying a lot too. Jesus. Limped off, hopped off, rolled <laughs> <laughs> off once. Crawled off. Crawled off. Mom's watching. I'm not doing this shit. That's great, dude. Um, so, look. Uh, we've run out of time here, but but I, I know I told you this, how much I appreciate you coming out here, I, how much I appreciate uh, Tyree um, p- helping us put this all together. Um, equally, how much I appreciate, you know, kind of helping me in my own journey, sitting down, talking, you know, about um, strategic planning and, and asset allocation and all the things that actually matter, like when you get to a certain level. This uh, I appreciate it as a friend, but I equally, I'm proud that we've figured out a way that we can actually do some cool shit together. And I would absolutely um, tell you guys, if any of you want to engage with uh, Marshall and Tyree and have you know similar conversations, um, got the, the code up there, feel free to uh, reach out to them. Um, not gonna meet any better quality people. Um, like I was saying at the beginning here, kind of blows my mind when I look at my Rolodex. Um, but at the end of the day, we're all just people. And this is, uh, dude, you're one of the real ones, man. And uh, I appreciate you doing this for me, coming down here. All good. Hey, it's Kent. Thanks for listening. Just want to invite you to please subscribe to our channels on all major platforms, as well as share this with your friends. And in fact, if you share it on social media, make sure you tag me. It's at Kent Clothier. Love to shout you out. Look forward to talking to you soon.